Welcome to the What's In My Head podcast. I'm your host, Julian, and thanks for checking out the audio format of our show. If you want to watch these episodes, check us out on YouTube. Just type in youtube.com slash what's in my head podcast. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride as I bring you a piece of your childhood each and every week. Don't forget to smash that subscribe button here as well as on YouTube. Make sure to check us out on all social media platforms. That's where I'll ask you, the fans, to drop a question or two for our upcoming guests. You can find us on social media by searching at In My Head Pod. If you're digging the content, leave us a rating and review as that helps us and other fans of pop culture find us. Enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the What's in My Head podcast. Today, I'm joined by the legendary Chris Battle, character designer for your fucking childhood, man. Chris, how are you, sir? I'm doing good, man. How's it going? It's going great. And usually I ask you to start off with like, what did you get? How'd you get started in this industry? But we were having a somewhat fascinating chat for me, at least, uh, right before you guys are working on a show right now middlemost post middlemost post that's that sounds like one of those words you might slip up on some shit um <laughs> but you were working on one and you, you you said that this is the first show with the pandemic happening and all that other stuff going on last year where everybody got shut down everybody got sent home and was completely creative interviews you guys storyboarding writing all that stuff was done at home um what is that like as far as you go i mean obviously drawing is a very it's a team effort when you got a show you're working on but what you do is very personal and very singular because you've got your tasks that you have to do but collectively everybody outside of an actual studio from the voice actor to the writers to the artists and everything you said you, you haven't met really anybody from this show yet but what is that like trying to build something where it's a team effort yet everybody's at home yeah, well, it's it's pretty bizarre because uh, you know, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of artists like to do things different ways, but I'm a very social artist. I like going into the studio and hanging out with all the other artists, and there's an organic feel that comes about when you're all working together. Maybe you could just you know go over, look over the the cubicle next to you, and see what your friends are doing, or you could just walk down the hall and poke your head into the art director's room and ask him a question, and even just hanging out with the creator, just sitting on the couch, you know, tossing tossing foosballs back and forth, talking about your influences. You know, it, uh, it's very organic, and we don't have that, so it's a little tricky. But I mean, we try to make up for it with a lot of fun Zoom meetings and a lot of IMs, so we're just hanging out, talking video games, or just. Uh, having virtual lunches and parties together and stuff like that. You know, they, I think when we got to see our first footage, the show sent everybody cupcakes. They just showed up on, they showed up on our doorstep and we all got to have cupcakes together. You know, um, it's, it's really fun, which makes me think that I think we're all going to have a good time whenever we get to get back together in person. I, I mean, knock wood, if, if we have more episodes or something that that would be very cool. So um yeah, it's it's strange, but uh, but it kind of works, you know. So you're you're speaking my language on two different levels. Not only animation, I'm a huge fan of animation, pop culture. Obviously, you can tell all these Ninja Turtles and, <laughs> and all that other stuff in the background. Um, but there's two things that I can wax poetical about, and it's animation and it's food. Um, I've worked in the food industry during the day and stuff, and I do this on my free time. And uh, I got to ask, man, what's Chris Battle's go-to cupcake? No, I bet you've never been oh. asked that question in an interview. I'm, I'm hoping I'm the first. No, one. no, this, you're breaking new ground. I'm, I'm digging this. You know, uh, it, it would have to be anything that would be like uh, a coffee or espresso chocolate kind of yeah. thing. If, if, if you get some espresso flavor in there along with the chocolate, I'm there. Oh, man, that's, that's a good combination, chocolate and coffee. I just recently, I found out. So I was a Navy guy for quite some time. 
and then I'm in uh, the food industry now, which is kind of like military light. You get to go home at the end of the day, but you still work weekends. You still work long hours and shit like that. Um, and I, I've always tried to stay away from coffee because I've just caffeine hurts when you when you quit drinking it and stuff. And people quit. What? Yeah, when you quit, right? (laughs) I like to do these cycles where like, I'll stop eating certain foods for so long and just to see what happens. Like, oh, I'm not going to eat sugar for two or three months. I'm not going to eat this for two or three months or I'm not going to do this for two or three months, right? And I took a break off of caffeine and the headaches were horrendous when that happened. Um, But Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I recently started drinking coffee again and holy shit, am I productive? I talk talk really (laughs) quick when I have coffee, but holy shit, am I productive? but you brought something up that I'd really like to know because I don't think I've had too many artists on here where we've talked influences and stuff, at least not to an extent that I would like to get to at least. Um, but who were some of your influences growing up? Oh man, uh, growing up in the seventies and eighties, I had a great mishmash of awesome influences. Like I would get classic stuff like, uh, you know, all, all the, and at the time it wasn't that old, all the Jim Henson stuff, but watching Sesame Street as a kid. And then in the early eighties turned to the Muppet show. Um, watching classic animation like Looney Tunes, all the Warner Brothers cartoons and Hanna-Barbera. There's all the really silly cartoons were big ones for me. And um, also uh, being uh, like six years old in the late seventies, I was a total Star Wars kid, like a lot of Gen Xers, you know, I was just at the perfect age. That was a huge one. Um, and and there's just, it, just everything like children's books, comic books, Marvel comics uh, were a big thing. And, you know, you know, all the Saturday morning stuff that was on, especially in the in the 70s and 80s. It was ridiculous how much stuff there was. And then even in the 80s, there was uh, like kind of that first wave of anime that started coming through, um, whether uh, it's like things like Battle of the Planets, better known as, as Gachaman, mm-hmm. or uh, going up to uh, Robotech in the mid 80s. That, that was a big game changer. And uh, 80s video games, total Nintendo kid, you know, it was just ridiculous how much inspiration there was. But uh, those, those were a lot of the big ones, for sure. Favorite Nintendo game of all time. I usually save all of these questions mm. for the mm. end. Um, however, mm. I like seeing where this is going to go on. But what's your favorite Nintendo game of all yeah. time? Uh, that's got to be uh, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time on Nintendo 64. That was one of the big ones that just really changed it up for me when I saw if you had the right combination of great concept, design, story, and music, um, and, and also all the game mechanics, uh, you could really create an amazing experience. Cause you know, before that for me, games were games, you know, you just scrolled your little guy here and you jumped around and maybe you finished it and then you replayed it again. But um, uh, Ocarina of Time was the first one where I thought this is a story and this is amazing and beautiful. And yeah, not to mention just the open world, the puzzles, the action, uh, nothing has done it to perfection like that for me. The N64 is still my favorite favorite console of all time nobody and i mean no there was a few games that i would just pick up and my my younger brother is a lot more um apt for video games and stuff like that he just his brain works a lot better than mine i've just got big dumb fingers and i i'm, I'm just not very meticulous i'm not very articulate when it comes to fingers uh, i don't have the dexterity there um but there was two games specifically mario super smash brothers and then mario Kart. <laughs> 
Nobody no. wants to Mario Kart. I, I still, and it's going to make me sound like I'm a horrible parent, but I still make my son cry on Mario Kart because I, he's like, when do I get to win? I'm like, uh, when you get better, uh, you're not going to be, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, Mar- Mario Kart. We, we played that to death on the original Powerpuff Girls. We, we brought yeah. in then 64 there and played it on the big screen that the studio gave us to watch our, finished episodes on we we saw a big screen we did what any any 28 year olds would do we said oh we're, we're hooking up a video game system the screen so we played a ton of that yeah so who who was uh if if you had to go back in time and you were putting some money down on some of the people you work with for powerpuff girls and the n64 just mario kart brawls man who are you <laughs> wanting to race and who are you putting money down on and who was your racer hmm. Mm, uh, I usually played Yoshi. I, yeah. I, I like to have some of those small, fast characters. I, I think the best player was uh, Dave Smith. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I think he had been playing it the most ever since uh, you know the Super NES days. He, he knew all the secrets and all the tricks. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Donkey Kong was always my guy, and now I used uh, <laughs> for the Switch uh, Tanuki Mario. So uh, Mario Brothers, oh, yeah. where he got the leaf, you know. Um, but let's. I'm going to digress from our video game talk. Even I like it. I like adding like some of this type of stuff because it's unconventional. It's fun. And then it makes people think and like, oh, shit, I remember this, that, and the other. Um, but ladies and gentlemen, man, Chris Battle, like I said, is legendary in this game. When it comes to character designs, all the work that you've done. I mean, I rattled off some of these names before. And I'm just I'm not going to name them all again. But just to give these these guys and girls that are listening, you've got Ah Real Monsters, Powerpuff Girls, Dexter's Lab, Shaolin Showdown, which is one of my absolute favorite cartoons of all time and not enough people talk about it and then you've got teen titans go and speaking about teen titans go and hopefully i'll remember this when we get to that because i don't want to jump too far and earlier and late and all this other stuff and it just seems like it's jumbled but you know were you guys ready and i don't know if you guys have gotten a lot of hate from it but and i never understood the hate for teen titans go as far as like you had teen titans right the original run and then you have go which is a chibi version and it just seems like the people that like that original show i like the original show i love teen titans go this show is so fun it's so silly it's so zany and it's something me and my son or my son and i excuse me can watch and and laugh at and it's, it's very rare and far and few between to find something that a 32 year old guy can laugh at and an 11 year old guy can laugh at and then we can talk about like what we seen what was our favorite parts and stuff um but do you see that being you know working and doing what you do do you see or the hate i guess or the discontent for some of the stuff you work on or is that something you just try to distance yourself away from oh well well, it's easy to maintain distance because we're often working on these things a year before it's ever seen in public and and the thing to remember is that uh, shows sometimes shows like teen titans go that that was made for seven to ten year olds yeah so you know what what a 28 year old thinks about it it's like well it's not the audience and and then of course you know you, you see people kind of turning around on it sometimes when they watch it. Uh, you know, I, I would see the same thing when somebody would complain online about uh, one, one of the uh, made-for-adult uh, DC Comics movies about the violence in, in like, uh, Batman Under the Red Hood or something like that. I, I sat down with my five-year-old to watch this, and it was too violent. It's like, well, you know, it, you're not the audience for that. I'm sorry, but, you know, there's another Batman cartoon that's great. But uh, with a lot of these properties... You're already you're, you're usually already working on like maybe the the tenth version of these things that has ever been made, and so people who only know the previous version aren't going to like the new version. I I remember when the original Teen Titans cartoon premiered, people were mad because it was too goofy and it had phony anime, as they called it. Uh, 
uh, because it wasn't the Bruce Tim Batman show. It wasn't as dark as that, you know, and then, then people love it. And then when those designers went on to do Transformers animated, people saw the first image and they said, this sucks, this is terrible. But then once they saw the actual cartoon, they oh, this is great, we love it. So, you know, I, I mean, I, I've, I, I grew up with like the Adam West Batman and then I read Frank Miller, The Dark Knight Returns. And I'm like, I can't wait to see a real Batman. And then, uh, you know, the Tim Burton Batman came out and I was like, close but it's not the dark knight returns and you know then you know i right yeah yeah I, I i had to wait until the you know the christopher nolan batmans came around to see something that i felt matched what i was waiting for but you know and in between there there's all these other versions so you know and, and this comes from me the like i said i was a marvel kid but the one DC comic I read in the 80s was the new Teen Titans, because at that time they were new. Marvel. And that was a remake of the 1960s Teen Titans. You know? So, yeah. And, and so I was a huge fan of the original Teen Titans cartoon. A lot of my friends were working on it. When I was working on Shaolin Showdown at Warner Brothers, I would go down to the Teen Titans uh, unit just to go visit my friends and check out what they were doing. You know? Yeah. So um, I, I had much love for the original series and the comic book. So. When my friends asked me if I wanted to work on Teen Titans Go, I'm like, perfect. That's yeah. that's the one DC thing I, I know about, both cartoon and the original. So, you know, it was it was a lot of fun to work on. And and my daughter at the time was in that seven to ten age range. And so I would talk to kids all the time. Yeah. And they'd be like, Yeah, I love that show. I'm like, oh, good. You're you're who it's for. And we have a lot of goofy <laughs> 80s jokes for the adults if they care to watch, but you know. You can't please everybody all the time. And so we're like, well, if you don't like this one, there'll be another one, you know, that'll, that'll come along for you. I've never understood that. Like, I don't know if it's just cause, so I just do the talking essentially when I'll send you the clip for the, or not the clip, but the link for this video when it goes up so you can check it out and you can watch it. So, um, but the guy that I have that helps me out, his name is Larry. He does all of my, my tech stuff because I am not smart when it comes to electronics at all. I am a literal caveman. I'm pushing buttons. It's not working. And I just want to punch shit, right? Because it's just, it's infuriating when stuff doesn't work right, but it's mainly operator error. Um, so he wants me to do these episodes where I like review stuff, right? Or rate stuff, which I don't like doing because I'm not in your line of work, right? I don't think I have a voice to say, Hey man, what Chris designed, it, it just, it looks horrible. Somebody else should do it, right? I just, I don't look at it that way. I like stuff. If I can put something on and I can watch it and I can just veg out and just be transported away for 22 minutes, two hours, whatever it is, I'm happy. I'm cool. I got what I deserved, right? Or I got what I wanted out of that. I got some kind of time to just decompress and think about other stuff, watching these characters push along a story to get to a specific point. And then for some reason, I don't know what it is about fans. Maybe it's just like they have to have a voice or the internet's just made it where everybody has a voice, right? Where they have to say, oh, this sucks because this one is better. I don't know what it is, but I, I've always had that mindset. It's like, if, it, if I don't like something, it's just not made for me. There's plenty of cartoons when you were talking demographics, there's plenty of cartoons out there that are made for me. And there's plenty of cartoons that aren't made for me. But when I watch the cartoons that aren't made for me, I still have a good time watching them because they do what they're supposed to. They're supposed to make you laugh. They're supposed to sit there and yeah. just mess with your imagination, get you to think about stuff differently. And that's why I like them. Um, but yeah, I've, I've never under, if we're being completely honest, Chris, yeah. I like Teen Titans go a lot better than the original Teen Titans. It'll probably get, you know, so that's probably blasphemous for some people. I, <laughs> this, this series sold me when Robin and the bird Robin switched personalities and 
you got the the bird robin coming in on a grappling hook after he gets his superpowers and shit and he steals yeah. a meatloaf that beast yeah. and cyborg were making and then he zip lines out of there and that 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 moment alone when i saw that i was like i'm a fan of life for this tv show um, but but going well, you, you know I, I gotta, I gotta say the one thing to remember that when people do get uh, either very excited or very angry about these things, it's that they feel very passionate about the 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 subjects of the shows, the movies, or whatever. And I mean, that I always look at that as a positive. I'm like, that means that you know these characters or these shows, these movies resonate with people. And it's like, you know, if if we can know that you can just make you can make a dead serious version here. Then you can make a silly comedy version. And then you can make that sweet spot, like say with the Marvel movies, or this is, or you could do the robot chicken style version. There's multiple versions of all of these. That, that I, I'm kind of big on that. I, I like to see different takes on these projects, but that, that, that's just me. I mean, some people might only like the one style, but um, you know, the fact that everybody loves these characters so much that they're that passionate about it, it's like, that, that means somebody did something right, whether they did it right in the eighties or they're doing it right now. And, Hopefully we could keep some of these things going and make it evergreen like like Batman or Transformers or G.I. Joe. And you get a new one for every generation. I think that's very cool when things aren't just stuck in amber. If they can uh, adjust with the times and people could have different takes on it. I, I love that. You know, did, did we just did you just sneakily throw a Jurassic Park reference in there? Is <laughs> nonetheless man uh so you know kind of taking a step back from what we were talking about um do you remember that first initial spark or that first initial like man i really like drawing or when did you start looking at it you know because all kids doodle right the first one of the first things you, you do is you get a pencil or a crayon and you get a piece of paper and then you just draw in school and stuff but do you remember like that first moment where you're like man i'm pretty good at this or I would like to do this for a living type of thing. Do you remember that moment? It's hard to remember because, you know, like you said, all kids draw. And I guess I just had a natural affinity for it. And both my parents had uh, art backgrounds. My my father was a photographer and he later became a vocational photographer instructor at, a, at the local community college where I grew up. And my mom, she only kind of got to develop her art skills later in life. And she, she really had natural ability. Uh, her, her brother, my uncle, he was a natural artist uh, as a child. And he later got into advertising uh, out, out in Chicago. Uh, but um, she always wished she had had that kind of encouragement as a child. because She saw the encouragement he got. So they just knew, encourage the heck out of your kids. If they like drawing more crayons and more paper for them. So it was always encouraged. So, you know, when you're a kid and you have a talent and people encourage you, you know, you go with that if, if you like it, you know. And um, I, I think it was very early on as a child, uh, I think an early trip to Disneyland, my parents bought me uh, a little souvenir flip book of yeah. Donald Duck uh, trying to hit uh, a baseball. And uh, they, they flipped it and they said, that's how cartoons work. You know, I mean, I still love cartoons. I love the characters, but I knew that people drew them. Uh, and, and I think that was one of the first lessons I, I had in that. So knowing that that was a job, you know, and also just uh, being a big fan of peanuts and just knowing everybody knew Charles Schultz did peanuts. You know, you saw pictures of him. That's that's a real guy who does that. Seeing all the making of specials of uh, Disney movies. Uh, you, know, you just knew that people did it. And especially growing up in Los Angeles, it's not like a far off fantasy job. You would meet people all the time 
they maybe built sets or, um, you know, they, they, they did costumes or there was even sometimes you would like see people in the stores who were the actors in movies, or maybe you would meet somebody. They would just be like one of those character actors you'd see all the time, not the star, but the guy who just played the, you know, the, the boss in the, in, in the office show or whatever, you know? So, you know, I, I just knew that that was the thing. And uh, somewhere I, I think it was in maybe like, second grade or something like that, I really started thinking like, I want to have my own comic strip. I want to be the next Charles Schultz or, or Star Wars. When I knew that there was a million people who drew the sketches, there were people who did the paintings and then there were people who did the special effects or built the costumes. I, I just knew that I want to do that stuff, you know? Now I got I get it around here. So, oh, it's right here. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I have this book. I mean, it's my, I'm a huge penis fan as well. And my wife got me this for Christmas this past year. Have you seen this one, The Arts of Art of Char Charles Soltz? Oh, yeah. Is that the one the Chip Kid designed? Because I, uh, I, I have a handful of Peanuts books. So yes. I had to just yes. keep it. Yes, yes. That's a great one. Yeah. It's fantastic for any Peanuts fans. So, like, I always, I always yeah. try to give somebody, like, whenever they bring something up that I'm really, uh, really big. If, if you want to find a really good book, I got one uh, a long time ago on eBay. It's called Peanuts Jubilee. It's from, like, I think the late 70s. It's okay. like an 11 by 17 book, huge horizontal book. And it, and it just has like every kind of version of peanut, like whole chapters devoted to each character. We could see them throughout the years, section on animated specials. And like, if you had to have one giant peanuts book, I'm like, that's the one. That's, that's the one. But then the Chip Kid book came out. I'm like, gotta get that. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, she, she knows because every, every year for Christmas, like I like decorating for holidays and stuff. And Christmas is always like Halloween and Christmas because Halloween's my favorite. And then Christmas is my wife's favorite. Mm -hmm. um, so every, every Christmas I've gotten a new peanuts, you know, um, they're not inflatables. They're uh, like, you plug them in and they're like lights. So it's got Woodstock mm -hmm. and Snoopy on top of the house for Christmas. And it's got the Christmas lights hanging off of from the Christmas special. And then I got a little Woodstock dressed up as uh, Santa and stuff like that. And then my neighbors down the street, they got this huge, like, 30 foot inflatable Snoopy on the red band up as the Christmas Christmas edition one. So uh, yeah, the peanuts are, are real big. So I wrote that one down. I'm going to check that book out. Um, yeah. I, and I highly recommend if you ever uh, get out to San Francisco or the Bay area, a little bit North kind of, kind of getting up into a wine country in Santa Rosa. If you go to the Schultz museum, yes. Oh my God, it's, uh -huh. it's great. It's, well, it's really great. If I would have known mm -hmm. that was up there in 2019, we went out to San Francisco for the first time. Oh, yeah. yeah. 2019, we went out there and spent our uh, 10 year anniversary out there with some friends and family and stuff like yeah. that. And we nice. did the whole touristy thing. We went, San Francisco was the most stressful place I've ever been in. And I've been in <laughs> Middle East a few times. It was the most stressful place yeah. because uh, I was stationed in San Diego for, for a little while, for a couple of years. Okay. Um, and the traffic is horrendous. However, that traffic has nothing on san francisco traffic yeah of a saturday and you're driving yeah. a huge ford expedition where everything yeah. parallel parks and you got two lanes and everybody treats it's it like not it's crazy yeah but if i would have known that was up there we wouldn't have went downtown san francisco yeah. we went to the shoals museum um, but that's something i, I want to get to i got it written down so hopefully one day i'll make it up there. Yeah. Um, but going back, you know, you started you said you started realizing around second grade that you had a knack for it, Star Wars and all, all these other things that really like imprinted on you as a young kid. You're like, oh, shit, I can do this. Right. So I'm very new as far as the behind the scene workings for animations. Uh, um, I just started reading this book. I'm sure you you've read this one and seen it around. 
but uh, of Mice and Magic by Leonard Malton and Jerry Beck mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm very new into learning, you know, the behind the scenes type of things. So, and uh, I've never had a, a character designer on here. I've had some storyboard artists and yeah. stuff like that. But as far as a, you know, an occupational, like, I don't want to say stepladder, but like um, your trajectory, I guess, as a storyboard artist, you know, prop designer and all these other things. Um, how did you settle on being a character designer and is that much different as far as the other um, aspects of your career goes? I mean, is it is that where you start at in character design? Uh, well, well, that was one of the first things I got to try out. I mean, obviously sometimes you, you everybody refers to it as the rock star position because when you think of cartoons, you think about the characters first. And you know, if somebody says, oh, you, you work for Disney, do you know how to draw Mickey Mouse or whatever, you know? <laughs> um, uh, when I got my first job, I was so green. I didn't know anything. It was the early nineties and I kind of uh, got hired just based on my potential. And because I was young and cheap uh, for a smaller <laughs> studio, uh, they took a gamble on me. L luckily times were booming and there was uh, all the talented people were getting snapped up. So, you know, there was a lot of studios taking chance on um, people who didn't have experience, but maybe had potential. So I tried to do character design and I didn't know how you had to draw for animation. I could do cartoons, I could maybe copy some drawings, but I didn't really know how to really do it. So they said, okay, let's, let's step back. Why don't you do props? Because you could probably do you know, the dynamite stick and, there's, and these crates and here's a sandwich and you could draw a funny car. You know, and that, that way I started to learn. And, um, and basically whenever I got any of my next jobs, you know, they said, oh, we don't have a prop design uh, position, but we have a background design position. You want to try that? I'm like, okay, I've only been doing this six months. I'll try. And I found that wasn't really my thing. And I kind of gravitated more towards characters. And after I was doing that for a while, there was a time on, on Dexter's laboratory where one of the board artists was kind of burned out. And he wanted to take a little break and they asked me, hey, do you want to like switch with him for just a couple of weeks? You want to try a storyboard? And I'm like, sure, I'll try that. And that was a lot of work. <laughs> that, that is, board artists do the heavy lifting and animation, that's for sure. So I just thought, yeah, I'll just go back to design. Thank you very much. But, uh, you know, sometimes if you get a chance, uh, you can kind of aim your career towards where you want it to go. Or, you know, at least, you know, you, you can try, you know, yeah. What do you think it was about characters in particular that you were gravitating towards so much? Do you, do you have an idea of what that might be? Or do you think, like, ah, man, I'm just good at it. But that, I, I guess that's, that's always the thing that, that always attracted me to anything, be it comic books or cartoons or comic strips. Uh, I always really liked drawing the characters. Yeah. You know, when I look back at any of my childhood art, I'm drawing Snoopy. I'm, I'm drawing Yoda. I'm drawing Wolverine, you know, I'm not just, and maybe a lot of times I'm drawing the spaceships and stuff like that. So I'm like, oh, well, that's where I got that from. But I was never necessarily trying to draw the entire Death Star or all the Middle Earth or whatever, you know? So I'm like, yeah, it's pretty obvious. It was the characters that really struck a chord with me all the time, so. Gotcha. Um, now, I told you I wouldn't ask you any questions that were like loaded in a sense that like, hey man, I'm gonna have to ask you to remember something from 30 something years ago. But I gotta imagine that at least most people, whenever whenever you do something and it's your first, right? Imprint any or imprint anything or I don't wanna say that. Um, just say first day on your job, right? Do you remember like those first couple like Oh man, did it feel like imposter syndrome? Like, are they going to find me out? They're going to kill oh, me, out? or what did it feel? Ab like first absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
because I my, my first job was at uh, MGM Animation. Uh, it was made up a bunch of art, artists and producers from uh, who had left Hanna Barbera at the time, and uh, we were working on the new Pink Panther. It's called at the time, and. Um, you know, like I said, I didn't know anything about how things were supposed to be done. I just had a, the vaguest notion. And I just walked in there and I, I, I couldn't figure out how to do it right. And it was taking me a really long time. And I just thought I was going to get fired right <laughs> off the bat. And, uh, and, and uh, you know, my, my boss, who brought me in. He just said, it's, it's okay. Don't worry. I know. I know you didn't come from CalArts. You don't have a whole bunch of experience slow down. Let's, uh, let's just try to take it easy and do this here. So it, it was after that. And I realized that I was kind of getting it right. I, I, I knew I, I had it going and that, uh, that, that was a, that was a good, good six months. It was only six months, you know, and then luckily it didn't take me long to get into the second job and things just kind of kept rolling. So I, I think it was maybe after like three years or so I said, I think this is a career. This isn't just one job. I think I might actually have a career happening here. Which is pretty cool. Now, we talked, you know, briefly about your influences before you got into uh, into the industry and stuff. But as you, you know, get into any kind of industry, you start seeing like, oh, man, I really like, you know, just for me, food wise. There's so many chefs I follow because I love their style, but for different reasons, like maybe it's plating or they use protein a different way or they're doing something with fish or something with vegetables. So I have all these different influences for you know, sometimes very minute details like plating or, you know, vegetables, something like that. So I'd imagine that you have the same thing you, as you're growing up in this industry, mm -hmm. you know, so who are some of those people that you like latched onto, or you really like, oh shit, I love the way he draws X, Y, or she X, Y, Z, or how they do this or how they color that. Do you have any of those? Yeah, definitely. You know, it's funny, uh, before I got into animation, you know, especially in the 80s, that was a real, you know, just, it, it was like a desert out there, creatively, with all the stuff that was on. Everybody has their beloved cartoons from the 80s, but quality-wise, eh. you know, but there was a couple bright spots here and there, like uh, Ralph Bakshi's new Mighty Mouse Adventures, or uh, the Brad Bird episode of Amazing Stories Family Dog, where there was this kind of this new style that looked classic but it felt new it was that style of animation it really resonated with me uh so when i saw there were these new cartoons coming out of hanna-barbera dexter's laboratory or powerpuff girls i knew that there were young guys my age making them i was like i want to get in on some of that mm -hmm. and fortunately i did wind up getting in uh for hanna-barbera the, the later days working on dexter's laboratory and then powerpuff girls and uh, samurai jack so that that was the artwork I was already gravitating towards. So uh, working with Gendy Tartakovsky, working with Craig McCracken and uh, some of the other creatives there, a lot of, a lot of whom uh, worked at Spumco on the original Ren and Stimpy, like Craig Kelman, especially his designs, big influence, Lynn Naylor, Chris Riccardi. Um, and, and then of course, for all of us who have been working in animation in like the past 20, 30 years, uh, Bruce Timm's work, you know, and, and all of his artists, you know, if you're drawing superheroes, you're referencing Bruce Timm and staff members like Shane Glines, Glenn Murakami. So, uh, you know, that's, those are probably a lot of the bigger influences on me for sure. Now I know, and I, I don't mean to keep doing this, but I always try to take whatever somebody does and I try to associate it. So I could, this is how my brain works. I take what, what you're saying and I try to like put it on my, like, okay, I can understand this because, you know, I feel the same way he does about, you know, specific people and stuff. Right. Um, but when you're in the industry and you do this for such a long time, 
sounds like a loaded question, I know, but do you still enjoy watching cartoons or does it feel like work when you're watching, you know, cartoons or do you still have that disconnect? No, I still, no, I, I, I still do. You know, it's funny. There's a lot of people who find out where they know how the sausage is made. It, it takes away from their enjoyment, but not for me. I mean, like I mentioned as a kid, whenever I would watch behind the scenes specials of, of movies and cartoons and comics, it just increased the magic for me that I knew that people made this. So um, yeah, e even knowing what it takes to make a cartoon, I, I lose myself in it completely. Because if it's, if it's a good cartoon, that's a good cartoon. I'm still enjoying it. So what are some of those good cartoons that you're watching now? Do you have one that you just, you and your daughter just really like watching together? Uh, well, well, I mean, there, there's ones that we watch again when there's one separate, like, uh, I'm not quite showing her, uh, invincible, like maybe in a couple of years, she'd be, she'd be good for, to watch some of that. Uh, but, uh, we're definitely loving city of ghosts on Netflix and kid cosmic, I, you know, both, both friends of mine, Elizabeth Ito, uh, she was at cartoon network in, in some of my later years. And of course, Craig McCracken, kid, kid cosmic, uh, you know, we worked together for several years. So those are some of the big ones. And, uh, and we both enjoy um, Big City Greens on Disney. That's that's a really fun one. Yeah, it's, it, it, uh, it's funny you bring up Invincible and uh, Craig as well because I had I just had Rob Renzetti on uh, last week. Yeah, yeah. Um, phenomenal person because he had one of my favorite yeah. shows that he created. It was called Mean and the Count. I don't know if yeah, yeah, I, I remember those. Yeah, I, I loved the color and I talked to him. and I never thought to associate UPA as well as like his influence as far as the color palace and the designs, those old school yeah. Mr. Blue cartoons and stuff. Huge, like, which, huge. Yeah, that, that's what we were all doing at the time. We were all just looking at old cartoons and mid-century uh, children's book art, especially. It was just, it's, I don't know what it, like I get goosebumps every time I think about, you know, and it's, it's not even like I was a huge fan of Mr. Magoo. It was something about that color palette they choose. These really bright colors, these really abstract, I don't, I don't even know how to really explain what I'm trying to articulate here, Chris, but it was, just, it was something about it that was just so bold, so different, so colorful that right. absolutely drawn me to it. And um, when I was talking to him about that, we were talking about some of the shows that are coming out now. And I think we talked about it offline, uh, but Invincible, I'm glad you brought it up. Have you finished the entire series? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah I won't spoil great. anything for anybody, but however, that train scene on the last episode <laughs> was yeah. one of the most horrific and beautiful, yeah. beautiful moments I've, I've ever seen on, on anything, really. I mean, he's sitting there and he does what he does to his son, yeah. right? holding him there mm -hmm. for the train, yeah. right? And yeah. then you see, like, like, I don't know if it's just me, but I see, like, I understand where Omni-Man's coming from. He's a god. He's come to a planet mm -hmm. that it's like everybody has an ant to him. We step on ants mm -hmm. and we don't think about it, right? Omni-Man mm -hmm. is the same thing with people. And then you look at him, you're like, this dude's flawed, but in his mind, he's right. So are we wrong mm. and he's right? Yeah. Or is he wrong and we're right? You know, yeah. it's, it's just weird. Yeah. But that, that scene alone, when you see something like that, doing what you do, what goes through your mind? You're like, holy shit, animation yeah. has come this far? Or what was going oh. through your mind as a professional? Well, well, first of all, if if it's really well done, I'm, I'm just in it. I'm, yeah. I'm not even thinking about it. I am in with the story and the action. There's also part of my brain going, ooh, these, uh, these drawings are so good. Look at how yeah. well that's animated. That's kind of in the background or whatever, but mainly I'm, I'm like into the story, everything like that. So that, that's when something is a real success for sure. And, um, you know, th and then afterwards, you know, you can like, you know, watch it again, frame by frame it, or, or go, go on to all the, uh, you know, all the blogs, and Instagram, Tumblr, you know, wherever people are sharing their designs for things and really drink it all in. 
especially watching like little bits of animatics that like the board artist did or something, you know? Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of like yourself, like you say with, with food, you know, if you're given a good meal, you're just like, wow, look how gorgeous this is played. And then you eat it. You're like, Oh, this is so good. And then you're like, maybe take your third or fourth bite. Like, mm, I can taste what they're doing here. I know yeah. that they did this. And, and if you actually got to maybe watch the chef make it, you're all, Oh, that's yeah. what you're doing. You went there and you got that degree, you know, you get to enjoy it on several different levels, but the first one, it just, it, it just hits on that pure level is entertainment. Yeah. yeah. It was like, there was a few times of watching that show where I'm just like, Oh man, this, some of the stuff was hard to watch for, for like, like, mm -hmm. cartoon, like Holy shit. They yeah. couldn't have done this 10 years ago. I was like, this is just, mm -hmm. it's just, I don't know, man. That, that show. Was well, just, if, uh, if you're used to watching anime, you know, they, they, yeah. they can go all over the, the way with it, but yeah, to see like a, a mainstream us and then of course you know reading comics you're like well you know they were doing stuff like this back in the 80s yeah. and stuff like that you know with watchmen or whatever but it, it's good to see I, I think they really straddle the line with invincible by you almost get a lot of the classic mm -hmm. um comic book stuff but with a lot of little tweaks and modern sensibilities there's some great humor yeah. and um yeah it, it's very very well done yeah. it, it is man. Um, but going back to you i think we've I think we've uh, we've given everybody else enough love here for now, but you know, like like I said, some of these shows uh, that we had mentioned first, you know, Our Real Monsters, The Powerpuff Girls, Dexter's Lab, Samurai Jack, man, um, one that does not get brought up, at least for me, enough, is the show Shaolin Showdown. Um, do you remember whenever you get a new gig, you know, you get a new job? Is that something that's you know, it's an internal? You guys are working so close together, like, hey, man, uh, you get to go submit a portfolio or do you guys have managers and stuff like that where they're like hey would you like to work on this show not not at my level uh you know show creators like robin zetti craig mccrack and gendy tarikoski they they have agents and managers and stuff yeah. like that that's kind of a big deal but the for most of us regular working people no not so much you just you know you're, you're kind of like a gunslinger you know <laughs> you just go go from town to town there i mean all it, it's all in burbank but you know um it's a small industry which is really good because basically uh, so much of it is in Burbank, or at least most of Los Angeles, but most of it's centered in Burbank. So uh, as soon as you know you're going to have an end date, you just start having lunches with your friends at other studios, and you just kind of walk around, and you know, they, you find out, hey, have you heard anything? And and that that's kind of how Shaolin Showdown happened to me. I was finishing up after seven years with, it started as Hanna-Barbera, and we became Cartoon Network Studios. Yeah. And I was kind of ready for something a little different. I was going to be working on one show at another studio, but then that got delayed and I had to scramble and find something new. So uh, I called up a friend of mine who was over at Warner Brothers and she said, you know, here, just, just totally bring me your portfolio. I will just take it in and just, you know, slide it under somebody's door who I know is looking for it or something like that. And of course, having just come off of that run, of Dexter's Lab, Powerpuff Girl, and Samurai Jack, you know, people were very interested in any of us who were part of that crew. So, uh, yeah, I came in on Challenge Showdown on the second season. Uh, after that, I think they had had a long break and they lost some of their artists or something. So they just wanted people who had uh, some experience to be able to just come in and hit the ground running. And, um, you know, that, that was kind of cool because I really wanted to do something a little bit different than I'd been doing for the same uh, set of years, you know, and you work with something a little bit different stylistically, and also just to be at a, a new studio, you know, that, that that's always good sometimes to shake things up, you know. So, um, yeah, that, that was Shaolin. We had a good time on that. Now, obviously, each studio is going to be different depending on, you know, who they're working for, who they're working with, the size, and all that other stuff. But is there a general 
I don't, I don't really like asking general questions, but I got to ask it nonetheless. When you go into a studio, is there a general amount of people? And what I mean by that is, is there usually, you know, 10, 15 artists? Do they have a set or does it just depend on each studio? They're like, they might have more, they might have less, you know, how does it generally work it, there? It, it, it's kind of standard. Uh, I always forget the crew sizes because sometimes, you know, there's people working in different areas that you don't need like an editorial and writing and things like that. But usually uh, for most most shows, there's going to be two character designers, uh, two background designers, two background painters, uh, one or two uh, color designers. And sometimes there's cleanup artists and things like that. And there's like, God, I'm trying to remember if it's usually like six to eight storyboard artists. And sometimes when things get busy, there might even be like a third character designer, a third background designer to to help out when things start getting backed up. And if a show gets that big, that person might come in house or something. So usually you know, you're kind of working as a team. You'll, you'll split up an episode where, where, where each of you are working on the same show, but they're handling that character. You're doing this one and, you know, you have support to, to help you out. And that, that's what I was mentioning. How it's always fun to be working with a lot of other people because, you know, you, you think you're a good designer, but then you get to see what the other artist is yeah. doing and, and, you know, that, that kind of, you, you learn from them, they learn from you, you know, it's, uh, it, it really feeds back on itself in a really positive way. You, you know, hopefully uh, that that's what happens with each project besides being able to work on something that's fun and, you know, that's your job and build your career. You always hope you're improving as an artist. So it's, it's great to be able to work with those other artists. So what is it like now? Obviously, we, we talked just briefly on Middlemost Post and everybody being so segmented because of COVID, right? Everybody's mm -hmm. at home. You guys still have Zoom meetings, kind of like we're doing now. It's, yeah. You still miss something when you're not face-to-face yeah. -face with somebody. It's social cues, you know, it just seems more camaraderie. Like the camaraderie's there more, right? Everybody's there. You guys are in the trenches together. So, but artistically, being you're in the creative endeavor you are, is it more difficult, not for you to get out of bed in a sense like, ah, oh, shit, I don't want to do this, but is it, is it difficult to get the gears rolling when you're just running solo by yourself? No, no. Uh, one thing that, that happens often is that uh, in animation, you do wind up sometimes working from home on things. Like, uh, like even if you have a day job, sometimes you can be doing freelance, like other, other opportunities might, might come up uh, either within your own studio or at another studio. So you know, you get your day job, but then on evenings and weekends, you're working on another thing. And if, if you're lucky, uh, sometimes in between uh, jobs, like sometimes um, you'll be working on a show, it gets a second season, but that's not going to be for another month or two. Yeah. So either you can just maybe take that time off or you can, uh, or if, if you need to financially, you got to find some filler work, or if you can just pick up some work, that, that's cool too. Uh, so there can be times where you're used to just being at home. Most of us have like home work setups. Yeah. So it's not that unusual to be working in a vacuum sometimes. And, and as my career has progressed, that happens a lot. I've like sometimes designed whole shows in between those breaks. Sometimes some of those things never get seen. Other times they actually get made into a show or it's for a, a toy series or video game or books or some things like that. So it's not that unusual to work from home, although usually for me at least that's where i'm like the only artist you know they, they just come to me and say we need ideas for this show why don't you do a bunch of work come back in two weeks you know and then maybe we'll see if we want to do more or, or we'll put a break into that but this is one of the first times i've worked like this for a whole length of time where there's a whole crew and other designers uh, but it's amazing how smooth it's actually worked and and like i mentioned for the camaraderie 
well, we're all IMing each other and we have different channels. We have a main channel for production stuff, but we also have channels for, oh, anybody want to share their pets, you know, because we all <laughs> love our pets during the pandemic or there's, there's a channel just for talking games or movies or whatever. And, uh, you know, we have all our Zoom meetings. Sometimes it's literally like somebody will just say, we're starting just a, a little coffee hangout this morning. If, if you guys just want to hop on the Zoom, we could all hang out you know, or whatever. So yeah, I, I think especially uh, nowadays, we're so used to social media being a big part uh, of our social life. And especially for animation, where you'll work with people for like six years, your close friends, and then you move to different studios and then you don't see each other as much because maybe they're there. They spend like 10 years on Family Guy, which is all the way across town. You're like, we don't even see each other in Burbank for lunch anymore. But, you know, we're, we're keeping in touch on social media. So it's a little bit easier these days to stay in touch, but there is that one tiny little thing that like, I, I miss hanging out at the office and just being able to poke my head over my buddy's cubicle wall and, you know, just, just hang out there, you know, uh, reading each other's comic books while we hang out in the office or something. Yeah. But it's worked pretty well. I'm, I'm very happy with how well it's gone, but looking forward to getting back in the office if we can safely. You, you hit me with one earlier. I'm going to have to hit you with my own. Life finds a way is what you're saying. They said it <laughs> couldn't be done, Chris. They said they couldn't get one, yet alone two Jurassic Park references in there. We knocked it to the park. Um, but uh, something that I've never actually been able to ask an artist because it's never really come up until now, until you were talking about, you know, if you had to pick up some freelance stuff in between or you had some stuff that you were just trying to fill some time with before your next gig started. Is it specifically for you, you don't have to talk to the entire industry, but specifically for you, are you able to multitask? And what I mean by multitasking is, are you able to do multiple shows at once or is all your focus generally on one show at one specific time until it's done? Uh, no, I mean, uh, I try not to do it too often, but sometimes, you know, opportunities arise and yeah. you you can't turn it down or you, you realize, oh, I, I'm going to need to buy a new computer here. So uh, since somebody is offering me some freelance, I need to be able to fund that or yeah. something like that. But mostly things come along and you're like, I can't turn this one down. So you, you kind of have to, uh, you know, separate those. You, you have to. But, but I mean, you know, that's where it's like, well, obviously. I have a day job and that, and I have deadlines that they expect uh, daily or weekly. So I have to do that during the daytime, but then once it's evening and especially on weekends, that that's when I can do the extra work, you know, and you just, you just have to do the juggling act because if you can't juggle them properly, one of them is going to fail and you definitely don't want that uh, day job to get messed up. But uh, you know, you, you kind of learn early on, you know, what you can handle, how much coffee you can drink to keep it going. And, and, and I've definitely pushed those boundaries sometimes. And there, there's been times, I think it's mainly when I've just been at home, uh, you know, waiting on other projects or something where three things came along at once. And I'm like, well, I can't turn that one down and I have to do this one. And it, that, that can get kind of crazy. But, you know, you know, if, if, if you want to do the project, you, you have to figure out a way. And other times you just have to tell people, I'm sorry, I'm already doing too much. I, I can't take on this other one. You know? has, has there been any shows? And, and this question, if we get, if we have to pass over, we can, because I know sometimes you guys can't say what you can and can't work on or haven't have not worked on unless it's come out already. Um, but it's, and it's a two-part question. Um, out of all the shows that you've already worked on, that you've already gotten on your resume, out of, if you had to pick just one, what was that one you're like, holy shit, I'm not going to let this one slip away. Is there one that sticks out the most to you? Hmm. Yeah. Uh, 
Well, let's see. Well, well, well I guess I guess when I was contacted by uh, Marvel Consumer Products out of the blue uh, on Instagram, and I had to double check and make sure that this was actually Marvel contact and not somebody trying to get my social. Uh, they, uh, when they contacted me, and I was, I, I think at the time I, I was still, uh, I'm trying to remember now because I did a lot of work for them, but I, I might have still been working on Team Titans Go. I, it's hard to remember, but they they did ask me to do some work for their consumer products line, which is, you know, things go on t-shirts and backpacks and websites and things like that. And they just said, just draw a whole bunch of Marvel stuff, you know, just any, any version you want to do. You want to do new stuff? You want to do old stuff? You want to do movie stuff? Just go ahead. Just do a bunch of stuff. Here's Here's like 15 or 20 characters, just do all these guys, you know? And I was like, oh my God, yeah. That's one of those bucket list things. I, I said, forget about it. I gotta, I gotta make sure I put in a lot of time for this, you know, squeeze that in. Who was your favorite character to draw when Marvel reached out to you? Mm, wow. And, and well, your favorite back in the day? Uh, well, uh, you know, it's funny. I kept doing different waves. Like, like in the first wave, I did a lot of the Avengers. So I was like, oh, Iron Man. It was really cool because, you know, who changes their look more than Iron Man? You know, there's a million different versions. So that was pretty cool. But uh, when I got to the X-Men, yeah. they said, yeah, we want you to do Wolverine. I'm like, oh, man. Yeah. OK. <laughs> Nine-year-old me would have been pretty impressed on this one. That that was pretty cool. Is he yeah. your favorite X-Men of all? But, well, right. You know, isn't he everybody's? <laughs> you know, yeah. Colossus is my guy. I don't know what it oh. is about the big old Russian. I don't know. <laughs> it had to have been when um, Chris Claremont and Jim Lee did that 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 run when uh, the animated series was up, the X-Men animated series back in the day. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it was. It might have been the first episode I've ever seen, but I see this big, just silver guy, and he had red and yellow. I was like, holy shit, that dude's big, and he's <laughs> colorful, and you can't hurt him? I'm like, sign me up. Because I, I, was, I was a short little pudgy kid. I essentially peaked in high school. I became six foot, or not high school, excuse me, in middle school. I got like six foot one, six foot two by like seventh, eighth grade. And nobody picked on me anymore. So sure. I was a big guy, right? So I was like, oh, yeah. man, I want to be a big guy one day. And I remember seeing him and he would just smash stuff. But to be fair, Wolverine's top three, you know, it went Colossus and the Night uh, Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler, right? Yeah. He's, the, he's yeah. the close second, I think, probably. Yeah. Yeah. He's just a fantastic character. He's got, there's so yeah. much untapped potential with Nightcrawler. Um, what we're getting at, man, really is when are you going to do an X-Men show, Chris? As soon as somebody uh, lets me. No, uh, you, you know, it's interesting uh, at Disney right now. I, I don't know if you had seen the press releases. They, they are doing a new cartoony fun version of Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. Yes, and I that's kind of one of the first times they're letting like Disney animation do an animated Marvel show. Probably one of the few times they're really uh, doing a cartoony version and not really, uh, you know, the standard realistic comic book thing. So it'd be nice to see if the doors could be opened up at Marvel the same way that it worked for Warner Brothers with Teen Titans Go and DC Superhero Girls and a lot of the other shorts that they did. You know, it's like, you know, these characters are evergreen. You can make silly versions, you can make serious versions, you can make dark adult versions too. So being a cartoony guy for purely selfish reasons, I'd love to see more of those um, uh, succeed so I could get a chance. But technically I did get to do a ton of Marvel stuff. So I'm like, I checked that box somewhat, so. <laughs> now with, with character design and what you do, right? Is there a, sp- 
obviously like, I used to draw as a little kid and it's nothing compared to what you guys do. Mm -hmm. I could see something and I could draw pretty well. And I wanted to be an animator when I was really young until I I'm, I'm, I'm from Orlando, Florida. So I went to Nickelodeon <laughs> studios when Nickelodeon studios was still here. And this is years before SpongeBob came out, but the show was getting ready to come out. So I remember vaguely <laughs> that uh, when they still had animation and stuff over here before they moved everything over onto the West coast, that uh, when we walked in that I was with my dad and they were handing out tickets. They're like, Hey, we're going to, be doing this new show you know in a little while it's going to be releasing um and we're going to do this little event where you can go and see like storyboards and all this other stuff right they were just trying to hype anybody up they could for spongebob and yeah. my dad knew and my dad would draw a lot too and you know as he got older he quit drawing and then i would see all these drawings he would do i'm like oh shit i want to do what i want to do that that's really cool so i would draw like dragon ball z characters and all this other crazy stuff yeah. And I remember like for the longest time, I just wanted to do animation. And I remember going in there and they give you this little ticket and you can go in. And then I think it was where the Jimmy Fallon ride was because I remember you being on a second story and be able to like look down and you could see like the pit where all the artists were and stuff like that. And they had like boards up and pictures. And it was just like one of those things where you just walk through real quick and you can see what's going on type of thing, mm -hmm. right? And uh, I remember going over there and I remember seeing this guy in the corner. He was drawn on his board and stuff like that. And he gets like halfway through whatever he's doing, he just rips it down, crumbles it up and throws it over his shoulder. And I remember looking at him, I remember looking at it and thinking like, man, my mom would have hung that up on my refrigerator because <laughs> she thought that was really good. Like, why is he throwing it away? And then I see where he throws it to and by his, by his uh, right side, he's got a waste, pap waste paper basket, trash can full of this shit, just crumbled up, throwing it, yeah. not liking it. And I'm yep. like, holy shit, I don't think I'm gonna be an animator. I was like, I liked all of his drawings. I like all of my drawings. And I was like, I don't, I don't think I'm going to do this. But that was my like my first foray into like seeing this. And I'm like, this is one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Like you guys go and you take something that's on a flat medium, right? And you guys do some stuff to it. And I don't mean to sit there and say you guys do stuff or just belittle what you guys do. But you, you do your magic, right? You make magic happen. You make these characters come to life. These inanimate objects, these fictional characters um, or fictitious characters, excuse me. And then you guys give it soul. You give it heart. You give it a meaning to go from point A to point B. And there's just something about that, that movie magic or that cartoon magic that at this point in time, like 32 years old, I'm still enamored by like what you guys do. It's just so phenomenal. I mean, do you ever sitting back and looking at everything you've done? Do you just sit back and think like, Holy shit, man, my life could have went differently if I didn't have that first job. Was there anything else other than animation that you really wanted to chase? No, no. I mean, I, I, I was always an artist. That was my main thing. And I was really at a point where I didn't know what I was going to do with my life because uh, I thought and I, I actually had a high school that had a, a real art curriculum. Uh, mm -hmm. And you, you would do three years of all these, uh, you know, advanced art classes. And then you would have this senior art show and maybe you could get uh, scholarships and stuff like that. I put up all my stuff and it was all cartoon based didn't get one award, nothing, because that wasn't real art, yeah. according to people. My, my teacher, he fully supported me, but you know the judges or the other faculty, they weren't really down with that, even though all my friends said, we like your stuff the best. And I was kind of like, well, that sucks. I don't know what I'm going to do. And <laughs> I, I, I love comic books, but a long time ago, I had cast my boat in the cartoony uh, section because I thought, man, drawing realistic that's hard. I can't be a comic book artist. And I thought, well, I love comic strips, but I'm not going to invent the next Calvin and Hobbes. I don't have endless ideas of characters. And I thought animation, I'm like, 
animating. I know you do a million drawings just to make a ball bounce across the screen. That sounds like a ton of work. I'm not into that, you know? And so I didn't know what I was going to do. I was taking community college courses in like graphic design and uh, advertising marker stuff, both two areas where digital completely wiped out whatever techniques I would have learned in that. So it's a good to pursue that. Um, I, it, it just, it was just random luck and timing uh, that, that just led to me getting uh, a job that is my dream job. I mean, I don't know what I would have been doing. Um, it's just a thing where you dream of, of some kind of fantasy job when you're like eight or nine years old, and maybe you hang on to it a little bit longer, you know, because growing up in LA that, that yeah, I did see that was a possibility, but you don't necessarily think it's going to happen. So it's kind of wild that it really did happen for me. And, and several decades later, I'm still here doing it and still enjoying it. You know, didn't get burnt out or anything like that. And it's the, the magic is still there every time I'm still doing drawings. And when I look back on my, on my work and it's, uh, it's really cool that so many of the things that I'm proud of actually became big hits and still resonate with people today. Cause like I said, a lot of those 80 shows, we all think fondly on them, but then you look at them and you're like, ugh, these are cheap, these are bad. But then, you know, a lot of people will still say, man, those old shows, Powerbook Girls is still good. And I, you know, look on my Blu-ray set of Samurai Jack, I'm like, holy shit, these are really, really good. I forgot how gorgeous they were, how funny they were. You know, it's, it, it's really an honor to be part of that, you know? I mean, if anybody should have the honor, man, it's people like me getting to talk to people like you, man. Like I said, I know you didn't create these shows, but you had a hand in creating the essence and the soul of these characters and these shows. You know, yeah, they could have found somebody else, but your track record speaks for yourself. Like I, I mentioned all the shows you worked on and I mentioned, we didn't even mention all the ones you've worked on your entire career, just the ones that resonate with me, right? You know, mm -hmm it's it's phenomenal and, and you're 100 percent right when that 80s era of cartoons yes people look back fondly on them but if you go back i tried going back and i'm gonna get blasted for this because i'm i've got ninja turtles all over my arm i've got one more turtle to go and then this one's done and there's just background work um that 87 cartoon series is not that good but what i mean by that i'm just talking about just the way cartoons were during that era, when I had Jerry Beck on, he was saying it was a it was a very huge possibility that cartoons were never going to rebound. Like the, the best days yeah. were mm -hmm. MGN, all those UPAs that you know insert here, all in the past, all yeah. of them, right? They, they were it was yeah. legitimate for a long time that like cartoons sucked, and people like you, people mm -hmm. like Gandhi, which I know this man gets a lot of. Uh, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, the man's a genius, essentially, is what I'm trying yeah. to say. And, and so many little words. I mean, but just sitting like Dexter's Lab and Samurai Jack, and then you've got Primal, which is one of the greatest wow. cartoons. Yeah. That first series where not one word is uttered, the entire series is phenomenal. Like I was a dinosaur fan, but I wasn't that much of a dinosaur fan. When Fang goes down at the end of that first season, you're like, holy shit, what's what is Spear going to do? Like, what is going on? And this man is just hit after hit after hit. And you worked on a lot of these shows with Gendy. I mean, it, it just goes to show like you guys brought the renaissance of cartoons. You guys brought cartoons back to what it, what it was. And you guys pro progressed cartoon and animation far past anything that I've ever seen in my life. And you go from that dead spot in the eighties to nineties, you start seeing it with, you know, Rocco and Rugrats. And then you've got, 
Hanna-Barbera and Fred Seibert coming over and saying, we're going to do 106 or 107 cartoons, whatever it was. Um, what a cartoon and all of these other things going in. And you've got all of these creators like Gendy. Then you've got David Feist from Cow and Chicken and you've got fucking Craig McCracken for Powerpuff Girls and Kid Cosmic. I mean, you can sit here and go on and Danny Antonucci mm-hmm. for Ed, Ed and Eddie and John Dilworth for, for, for Courage. I mean, Van Partable for Johnny Bravo. Now I'm just sitting here fucking you know, waxing quickly <laughs> about all these guys, but I'm like, all of these shows were phenomenal. Right. And then you got Maxwell Adams on Grim, Grim Adventures. I, I can't believe I forgot him, which was one of my favorite cartoons of all time. But I mean, when you sit back and think about all of the shows you worked on now, obviously picking a favorite is out of the question because it's such a loaded question because you're always going to offend somebody. And it's like having, you know, two or three kids. Which one's your favorite? And I'm going to tell you right now, every parent's got their favorite. I know I'm the favorite for my mom. Right. <laughs> all of my brothers and sisters don't want to hear that, but I'm the favorite. Um, but to switch that question up just a little bit. If you were to sit down and have dinner with four guests, and those four guests are shows you worked on. So you couldn't say, I want, you know, Beast Boy, Cyborg, and Robin. I want you to try to pick one from each show that you've really worked on. Who would you love to sit down with at dinner and have a conversation with for some of these characters that you've worked on? Oh, man. <laughs> it's loaded, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> mm, yeah. Well, but, well, I'd have to say... Uh, what if, kind of if dinner you could if you could sit down and, and, and have dinner with the Scotsman from Samurai Jack, that would be definitely a guaranteed good time for sure. Okay, so um, oh, wow. Okay. Man, that, now I'm really having to think back to all the things I've worked on. Uh, well, I, I guess, I guess Cyborg from Teen Titans Go, he, he's another fun guy who knows his food and, and he knows how to have a good time. Uh, I know. It's, see, I've, that's when you know I've worked on too many shows. It's taken me that that long to. Are you are you having are you like having waffles for, for dinner? Is that what we're doing? Are we having waffles? I don't know. If hey, man, what, what, what was what, what was that one? The uh, the, the, the the burger and chorito uh, pizza thing that was all all in one. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, the only yeah. reason I bring up the waffles because that that song was so annoying because my kid he's very little when that one came out. Waffles, 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 and he would just walk around the house saying it. I'm like, ah. I love waffles, but I hate waffles right now. I like waffles so much better than pancakes because they got little pockets that hold the butter. They've got their shit together when it comes to fried doughs and stuff like that. So you got two so far. Who else you taking? Wow. Yeah. Um, well, I'm drawing a blank here, man. I, I know. I'm like, yeah, who, who else is, is fun to, to hang out with uh, for, for dinner? Mm, You're not going to do dark well, at all? <laughs> well, I, I, I guess I guess Jack would be good because uh, you know he, he knows all about Japanese cuisine, good traditional uh, Japanese cuisine. So that that would be good to eat with him. Uh, and wow, yeah. Uh, I usually don't like doing this, but I figured it'd be a fun yeah. fun little thing instead of like, oh man, who is your favorite to draw? Because everybody always asks yeah. that, and it's just you're never gonna you're never gonna please everybody. Um, yeah. Well, I, I guess we could just say uh, Fred Flintstone because he he, yeah. he knows about those the, the rack of brontosaurus ribs. I guess. <laughs> oh man, a big old cowboy ribeye from uh, Fred <laughs> would be fantastic. Um, so we've hit the we've hit the one hour mark, and I usually like to do the like the last few minutes, you know, fan questions. Um, and some of the fan I don't have my book that I had the the real important one, um, but I don't know. Whenever you work on a series. 
obviously you're doing the character designs and stuff, but do you get to see or input anything as far as like story goes? Like, oh man, I, I see this character doing this. Have you thought about doing it this way? Or is that just something that character designers and storyboards kind of, they have their job and you have your job type of thing. Does yeah. That make sense? yeah, yeah, that's, that's you. We kind of come in a little after the fact because, uh, you know, whether you have a, a show that's uh, board driven or script driven, that's usually, you know, there's usually a writer uh, who will maybe write out a premise. They'll, they'll sit there with all the board artists and, and think about storylines and stuff like that. Or writers will just write in their scripts. And uh, that's usually the stuff that like, uh, you know, the creator or the showrunner would be most involved in. And uh, really only, it's usually only the visuals that we might come in for. Like sometimes uh, a showrunner or the writer will say, well, this is definitely supposed to be a parody of this guy or something. But sometimes they might have a thing where just like, well, I don't know, this is just a guy. Maybe he's supposed to be a supervillain or this is just a dad. Yeah. And you might sit down with the showrunner, the director for that episode. And maybe they'll have an idea. Maybe not. You say, I, I was thinking of why don't we just base it off of this thing? Or I was thinking of he could look like a big guy or, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes it comes down to voices as well, because if uh, you're thinking of making a little skinny nerdy dad and it's like, oh, turns out we have like this ex, ex professional wrestler who does the voice. So it's this big booming voice like, oh, no, this is not like a skinny white man at all anymore. <laughs> you know, so, you know, there's there's a lot of things. But yeah, we don't usually get to drive the uh, plot. Yeah, we just uh, can usually work a little into the visuals if we're lucky. Now, and this is this is one question that I, I, I just thought of, but I, I thought it'd be fun to ask, man. So you know how as you get older, your tastes tend to change, whether it's food, you know, what you like to do, what you don't like to do, what you like to drink and all that other stuff. As you get older, your taste buds and your, your style and all that changes. Have you noticed a considerable difference from when you first started growing? And I'm not saying like, you got better because you had more experience and all that other stuff. Cause you said that you, when you got your first job, you really didn't know what the hell was going on. Cause you, you, you knew you liked to draw and everything. You knew you wanted to do this, but have you noticed a considerable style change from when you first started and maybe the first couple of years when you're getting in and rolling and stuff like that, do you start doing things differently? Uh, well, just that uh, my skills got sharper and uh, I got to what I was aiming for. I can look back at like some very early drawings of, of that new style animation that I was trying to emulate. And now that I've worked with a lot of the people who created those styles and I've seen the sources, you know, like UPA or, uh, you know, mid-century golden books and things like that. Now I learn, you know, what goes into the mix and I've kind of got my artwork to where I always wanted it to be, which, which yeah. is kind of nice. Uh, I still gravitate stylistically to the same things, things that have a strong visual style. Like when you think of a lot of those UPA things, you think about things that have like strong graphic shapes, whereas I'm not, I, I've never been really drawn so much to like uh, Disney feature animation yeah. or um, I, I mean, I, and I enjoy action uh, stuff. I love that stuff. But I'm like, well, I'm not drawing the realistic stuff. I, I couldn't draw invincible style or young justice style if I tried, but I, I, I just enjoy that. But that, that can inform some of the cartoony stuff as well but yeah it's mainly that that strong graphic stylized visuals i still like that the most whether i'm reading a comic book or watching a cartoon and it's definitely what i like to draw are you reading comics now uh yeah off and on yeah i mean i've been the you know and i will always pick up x-men you know uh you know because pepe larraz's work uh, recently has been amazing mm -hmm. and um you, you know i'll just always pick up whatever visually excites me and um you know like, like when Stuart Eminem would go from doing x-men 
over to doing uh, Sam Wilson, Captain America. I'm like, well, I'm picking up Captain America right now because I love love his artwork, you know. So I, I've always gone with the art that I liked. And if, if it dovetails with the character, that's pretty cool. But, yeah. Now, if I can give you just one recommendation, the, the comic is getting ready to wrap up. I think they're only doing 50 issues of it. However, let me preface this with, I am not a Hulk fan by any stretch of the imagination. Hulk and Superman, for whatever reason, and I know the reasons because they're all powerful, it's very hard to beat these guys. They're very difficult to read. Very few people have had a long run with both of those characters. And I know I'm going to sound like I don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to Hulk and when it comes to Superman. However, just for me specifically, I can't read a character that is a Boy Scout. It's very difficult because life is not black and white. There is a lot of gray in life. You know, if you see somebody stealing, what do you do? Um, Well, obviously you want to make sure you tell somebody, hey, this guy's stealing, but if he's stealing food, what if he's stealing it for his family? I don't know if you can kind of understand what I'm talking about as far as that goes, but it's just like, I, I don't see things in black and white. It's very gray because everything has some kind of way of making sense, if that makes sense at all. Hmm. Um, so that, that's why Superman is so hard to read. And Hulk is just, he gets angrier. He smashes things. I can only read so much of the same thing. However, there is a book by Al Ewing. It's called Immortal Hulk. Have you seen this one at all? I think I have. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Hulk, Hulk isn't always on my radar either. So it's uh... never like, so I always go into my comic book store every Wednesday when comics drop. And back then, you know, Sam was my comic book guy, but he went on and got a grown up job as he likes to say. Um, and I would always say, Hey Sam, what's good. What would you pull right now? Let me know. As long as it's an issue one, that way I don't have to go and read 18 issues of something before I get this one. Let me know. And I tr- I'm trying to gravitate more towards indie books because I'm a huge DC guy and I'm, I'm fairly Marvel. Uh, I like DC more. Like if you were to sit back and look at all these, you know, all these back here, I'm a huge Swamp Thing <laughs> fan. Alan Moore's yeah. Swamp Thing run was phenomenal, even though Scott Snyder's was better. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Um, so I love these these weird eclectic characters, right? So he always gives me something. And then he goes and he's like, you're going to have to just buy the first trade. I'm like, fuck, dude, I don't want to read Hulk, man. Hulk sucks. He's like, no, 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 no you want to read this and I was like dude he's horrible he's like shut up and buy this book this book is phenomenal he was like this book is a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde they treat the Hulk like a horror movie from like the 60s and 70s and stuff it is very it's very weird that first arc or that first uh trade that you can get it's like 7.99 or something like that for the first five or six Mm -hmm. issues in trade um one of the best story arcs I've ever read on anything. And Al Ewing's actually writing Guardians of the Galaxy as well, which is another great book. Um, but Immortal Hulk, I always try to push like, read this book, read this book, read this book. It is phenomenal. And if you can get me excited about a Hulk book, right. the, the, the possibilities are endless at this point, Chris. Um, so that one's a fantastic one to read. Um, but like I said, as we start to wind down, I just got a couple more questions and then we can wrap it up here. Um, when you think about all of the shows that we've talked about, right? Um, like I said, I won't have you pick one because it just wouldn't be fair because of how many great shows you worked on. But do you look back on, you know, a couple different shows a little bit more fondly? And I'm not trying to get you into trouble with like, I didn't have a good time. Yeah. Right. So that's not what I'm, I'm not trying to load that question up. But do you have like, like, oh, man, I loved doing this show because it was just so much. Every day was so much fun. It didn't feel like work. Yeah. There are a few shows that just felt like, oh, man, this is like a second, like a second life I get to have right here. Yeah. Well, well, definitely, without a doubt, it's that big seven-year run where I worked on Dexter's Lab. We went right over into the Powerpuff Girls and then did Samurai Jack. And then it was multiples like Powerpuff Girls movie, extra seasons of Powerpuff and Dexter's. Because 
you know, I, I was, it was still kind of early in my career. I was only like three years in and, but that was like, you know, the kind of style that I really wanted to work in. Mm-hmm. The shows are of great quality, made great lifelong friends. And of course, anything you do uh, early in your career, especially at that age, when you're in your, in your mid to late twenties, you know, sure. when you're really kind of coming into your own as an artist and learning so much, you know, I mean, that, that's really meaningful. And especially that the fact that everybody still loves those shows. I mean, Powerpuff actually, as we were doing it, it became a huge phenomenon. So that was kind of wild. And Samurai Jack reached such amazing artistic heights. That was unbelievable to be on, on that as well. And just, yeah, like I mentioned, it's always getting back to the people, working with the people. You make these amazing friends that many of them are your lifelong friends. And you learn so much from all the other artists you work for. That's, that's another period of huge artistic growth. I am still benefiting from the fact that I worked with all these great artists. I mean, I never went to art school. I didn't go to Cal Arts, but working with all these people who did go to Cal Arts or who had worked on so many famous shows, uh, you know, kind of by osmosis, just working with them. Uh, my skills really grew during that period. That's, those are some of the most important years for me, for sure. Well, I mean, iron sharpens iron, man. When you guys are in the pits every day, just trying to push each other to go further, to mm-hmm. better, cleaner. Yeah. You know, it's it's just nothing but positive. And then when you start to sit here and look back at where you started and where you're at now, I mean, I got to imagine it's leaps and bounds. I, it, this was so fun about social media and it was also so bad. Is depending on the day, whenever you see one of those memories, oh, you shared this five years ago. I remember one of the first pictures I ever shared to Facebook when it came to food. I went back and I saw that thing from like 10 years ago and I wanted to hang myself. It was horrendous looking because I saw that plate. I saw that food. I'm like, that tasted like absolute shit. It wasn't until four years ago that I really started to cook and I really started to understand what fat does, what salt does, what fat or not fat, excuse me, what acid does, right? All these three things combined Mm -hmm. does something spectacular to whatever you are doing it with, right? Whether it be protein, whether it be a vegetable. So I started to really understand what my job was. And then I started to understand like, oh man, I can cook. I might not be the greatest, but I can cook. And then you start getting more experience and you start working for this right. person and that person. You start taking all these little things. You always take what you like from people. You don't ever want to do what you don't like, right? So whether it's leadership style, whether it's, you know, how they cut, how they do this, how they do that, right? So it's always fun to pick and choose like what you can to make you a better person at what you're doing. So I always like hearing mm-hmm. that shit, man. Um, yeah, it's totally the same. Yeah, you just, you, you, hopefully you're growing, yeah. And, it, and, and it never stops. I, I look at every new project as a chance to improve or to try some new ideas or, you know, I, I, I hope that it'll always be that way. So far, it keeps working. I mean, you're crushing it, man. I, I, don't, I don't like to sit here and think like I'm just blowing smoke up you guys' ass when you come on here. Because when I, whenever I have, I don't ever have anybody come on here that I don't want to talk to. There's so many people where, and it's not like I'm big time, but they're like, I'll get emails after I have like specific guests on because most of the time I work you know, I'll go on, I'll email or I'll, I'll chat with uh, their agents and stuff like that to get them on. Um, and then they'll always send me some like, hey, you know, we had him come on this one. You know, would you mind, you know, helping us out and get this guy on? If, if I know them and I, I, I like their work, yeah, I bring them on, no problem. But at the end of the day, this is my show. And I want to be able to talk to the people that had such an influence on me or they elicited some kind of emotion to me, whether as a child, whether it was an adult or a teenager or something like that. So I like talking to the people that, that did something or impacted, right? Um, 
So I really want to say thank you again for really coming on the show, man, because I, I know this probably wasn't a conventional interview that you might be used to because I'm oh, I like it. It's, you know, get, got me some new questions that I hadn't thought about. Stumped me on that dinner one. So, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad, man, because I've only been really been doing this for like seven months. Right. So this is something I do in the free time. But I actually I, just, I love doing it because there's for so long we know the characters you work on. But until I Googled you uh, fucking months ago, because I knew the name. <laughs> Right. I knew Chris Battle. I didn't know what you look like, man. So I was like, why don't I know what Chris Battle looks like? Why don't why do I know all these shows that he worked on? I don't know, Chris. And I was like, if I'm thinking like that, there's got to be plenty of people out there like me that know and love your work, but they don't know you. And that's what's so great about just having a chat like this. I get to see how your brain works to a small extent, because, you know, we're only chatting maybe for like an hour, hour plus, maybe, you know, I only get to see certain things that you let me in to see type of thing. But it's really cool getting to meet the people that left an imprint, left an impression on you at such a young age. And to know that I get to take what you worked on and pass it down to my 11-year-old, Hayden, right? And then in a month or so, even though he really won't remember it until he gets a little bit older, I get to introduce Cooper, my next son, to a whole, it's a whole nother generation of people. I get to share a love of something that I had at their age or maybe a little bit older or maybe a little bit younger depending on where they're at in their age that I get to share something that you helped create that you helped take from your brain it shot down your arm I don't know if you're right-handed or left-handed so I just use my right side because I'm right I'm, I'm a righty yeah okay cool so I'm yeah, I was gonna say we might have to cut that out but now I'm gonna leave that shit in but it comes out of your arm and goes to your fingers and it goes onto a piece of paper or in these days it's on an ipad or you know whatever most people work on these days right so it's it's fun and it's interesting and you know if anything comes out of this man i just really want to thank everybody especially you because you're on the podcast right now but anybody i have on anybody i have on to say thank you for everything you've done because without you yeah somebody else might have done this but without your style and without your progression and your help i wouldn't be I don't think as enamored with a lot of these things that I am if it weren't for you, man. And I, I really got to say thank you for everything you've done, Chris. I really appreciate it. Well, well, I'm happy it's it's entertaining. I'm happy it's it's getting to entertain your kids as well. Because, you know, I, I was one of those kids just getting entertained by all this stuff, you know, so many years ago. And it's been very cool to kind of be part of that same history, maybe inspiring another generation. That's that's kind of wild to think about, you know. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's very cool to be part of it. I mean... I, I've, I said this to a guy. I don't know if you know him. Do you know Chris Bailey? No, I don't. Okay, so he, he did... Uh, you remember the movie Hocus Pocus? Yeah, okay. Okay, so he did a lot of the animation for... Um, oh, shit, what was the cat's name? Uh, Thackeray Binks, the little black cat that talks and all that other stuff. He did a lot of the animation for that back in the day. And I threw this out there, and it made him... I don't want to say it made him feel bad, but he just... He laughed it off, right? Because his one of his hugest influences um, was uh, Chuck Jones and Tex Avery and stuff like that. Hmm. And I threw it out there. It was like, one of these days, somebody's going to come to you the same way you went to Tex Avery and Chuck Jones and say, you are their Tex Avery or Chuck Jones. So when you think about that, man, I don't want you to think about it, but I want you to know, man, there's a lot of people out there that this video will influence. And they, they were just looking for that last step. Well, Chris said he didn't go to school. Maybe I don't have to go to school, right? Or maybe if I do go to school, maybe I can do what Chris is doing because he put a path out there, right? I, once you see somebody do something, it's so much easier to do it because you know it can be done. I, I am an example of that for sure. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, it, it's just phenomenal, man. Um, is there anything 
that we didn't bring up that you're working on now that we can kind of push traffic towards. Uh, I know it feels like it's it's like, oh man, what are you working on? It's towards the end, but I try to I try to bring it up throughout the yeah. podcast. We talked about it when it first started. I know we talked middlemost post, but was there anything else that you're working on that we can kind of get people excited for? I'm not talking spoilers yeah, or anything like that. Just, no, yeah, just really for for the past year, it has been all middlemost post 24/7 pretty much. So that uh, that will be premiering on on Nickelodeon in early July, so people can keep their eye out for that. And until then, I'm I'm at Chris Battle Art on Instagram and Twitter and uh, every other kind of uh, social media platform out there. But those are the main two. Beautiful man. Like I said, I really appreciate it. And without you, man, I wouldn't be into a lot of these shows. Um, that we talked about and you can never do your entire career i mean you've got you've got a fucking long career chris i mean you have a story wild. uh yeah you know i mean so we we can't obviously do everything you've done and plus trying to remember 20 and 30 years ago for some of the stuff you did it's it, a little a little hard to right man it, it just never goes well yeah. um but i hope you had fun because i had a lot of fun really talking yeah. about really meeting the person that did this stuff you know yeah, no, you, you had a lot of good questions. It was, it was very different than so many of the standard ones. So I, I like that. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that, man. Uh, you know, this has been Chris. I've been Julian. This has been the What's My Head podcast, the podcast for animation and pop culture, man. Thank you guys so much. Make sure you give Chris a follow. Give us a follow, too, if you like to. And uh, I'll check on you guys when I check in on you guys. Thanks again for checking out the What's In My Head podcast. If you're digging what you're hearing, leave us a five-star rating. That will help other fans of animation and pop culture find the show. Don't forget to smash that subscribe button, tell a friend, and I'll see you guys and gals next week. Good night.